In today's episode, we're going to be looking at the Phoenix Suns, looking at their prospects from a dynasty point of view. Michael Bolton. Let's get to it. To it. You are locked on fantasy basketball. Your daily fantasy basketball podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello and welcome to the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast brought to you by Basketball Monster. My name is Josh Lloyd and I am the lead fantasy analyst at BasketballMonster.com and at Yahoo Sports Australia. And you can find me on Twitter as always at RedRock underscore B-Ball and on Instagram at Locked On Fantasy Basketball. So let's talk about what we're here to talk about today and that is the Phoenix Suns and looking at some of their players from a dynasty point of view. And the first guy I want to talk about is DeAndre Ayton, their second year center, the number one overall pick in the 2019 NBA draft. And I think it's fine to say that he's been pretty good. Like, yeah, as a second year guy, averaging 19 and 12, 1.7 blocks with a true shooting of 57%, the 28th ranked fantasy player, it's pretty good. Where does he go from here? What does he get better at? Well, he's not taking any threes. He's not getting to the line at all. And they are two issues. I think he can hit threes. I think he can be a, a solid enough player, but he's just not aggressive enough in taking that shot. He's got this weird fascination that he's a four. And if he's a four and he's not taking threes, then he's even in a a worse spot. Uh, But he needs to get to the line more. He needs to be more aggressive. Now, his defense has been better this season. The shot blocking is so much more improved versus where it was last season. And that is, of course, a huge credit to him. The drug suspension didn't help. He's only played 30 games. He had ankle problems also. So that's never a great sign. But still, the 28th ranked player... Uh, so far this season. I think that's a a pretty good result for DeAndre Ayton. And I think we look at him as a second round fantasy center for many, many years to come. But what does he do more than this? Where does he get better? Can he become, instead of 19 and 12, 23 and 12 by getting to the line instead of two and a half times a game, five times a game? And then hitting that usage going from 24 to 26%. I think that's real. But what else? Do we start getting threes, assists, steals? I'm not sure about all of that. As I said, he's 28 this season. I think he can top out at top 15. Can he ever become top five? Carl Anthony Towns, Anthony Davis, Joel Embiid, Nikola Jokic style. I highly doubt that for for Aiton. But as a strong second round center, maybe back end first round guy for years to come, I think that's a pretty realistic expectation for where Aiton is going to fit. His teammate, Devin Booker, still really young as well, only 23 and a half years of age. Uh, He was the 17th ranked player this season. Obviously, that is really good. He averaged 26, 4, and 6.5. And And now, after the nonsense from James Jones and Monty Williams about not wanting to play him at point guard, now coming out in this hiatus and saying, no, we're actually going to play him more at point guard, that's so much better for his fantasy value. Because even though he's barely played point guard this season, he's averaging 6.5 assists. That could go to seven, seven and a half assists, the 26 points. Maybe that comes down in the future as guys like Aiton ramp up their usage as we get another young player in there who might be able to take some more shots. But still, yeah, Booker's ability to get assists, to be a high-volume three-point guy, and he's not as high-volume as you think, only two threes per game on 36%, which is solid enough, but not taking seven, eight threes a game. 26 points per game is really good. 
The defensive numbers are rough. 0.7 steals, 0.3 blocks. They're not good, but he got his efficiency back. 49% from the field, 92% from the line on seven attempts per game. We should be looking at Booker as, I think, the better asset between him and Aiton in terms of fantasy value. A guy that you should be considering around that turn of the first round sort of an area in that you know 12 to 20 sort of a range, I think is, is realistic for him. Where he gets better from here, it's all going to come down to me to the assists. And if somehow he can turn it around and become a 1.2, 1.3 steals per game guy, that seems to be a stretch. We haven't really seen that at all from him so far in his career. But if you can get to that level, if you can get those steals up, and that's effectively almost doubling his steal numbers, which might be tough to do. If you can get those steals up and then add an extra assist per game, then he does become a top 10 sort of a player. So I really like Booker long term uh, in terms of fantasy value for the next six, seven years. I think he can be... You know, really strong around this area, this borderline first round player. Whether that's translating to wins or not, that's you know, another debate. His PIPM stuff's not all that positive because his defense is so bad. And we see that reflected in his fantasy stats with just a lack of steals and uh, a complete lack of steals and no blocks at all. Not that you're expecting blocks out of a uh, out of a shooting guard slash point guard, but there is room for him to improve. He can hit more threes, he can get more assists, and if he gets more steals, then uh, that value jumps up to be you know, 10, 11, that sort of spot instead of 17 or 18, which is where he currently sits. Guys, we're all sitting here in uh, in lockdown in most places in the world. So when you need things, when you need the essentials, when you need to decide what you want for dinner, when you need to get some items from the store, Postmates can do that for you, whether it's an early morning breakfast burrito, a 12-pack of beers, whatever it is, Postmates can get what you need delivered fast. You're always thinking about, hey, what am I going to eat tonight? Do I have enough food? Do I feel like something a little bit fancy that I can get uh, takeout from my favorite restaurant? Postmates can go and get that for you and bring it straight to your door. They don't just do food. They do grocery delivery and whatever you can think of delivery as well. Convenience stores, clothing stores, you name it. No more trips to the store. No more late night fast food runs. You don't even have to worry about where you're grabbing lunch anymore. Just download Postmates on iOS or Android. Find your favorites and get anything you want delivered within the hour. For a limited time, Postmates is giving our listeners $100 of free delivery credit for your first seven days. To start your free deliveries, download the app and use the code LOCKEDONNBA. That's the code LOCKEDONNBA for $100 of free delivery credit with no minimum purchase for your first seven days when you download the Postmates app. Anything you need, anytime you need it, Postmate it. All right. Talk about the next Suns player, and that is McCall Bridges, who was horribly, I believe, mismanaged this season by Monty Williams. Eventually, we got him into the starting lineup, and he started to play really well. And despite all that nonsense, he's still the 97th ranked player this season, playing only 27 minutes a night. Now, he's never going to flash big scoring numbers. That's just not the sort of player he is. But he can become a better scorer than what we've seen. But he thrives from getting defensive numbers, especially steals. 1.5 steals per game, 85% from the line. At the moment, his his value is almost entirely concentrated in the steals category, and that is a recipe for a problem if that ever falls off. But 1.5 steals feels like it's actually on the low side of where he can get. Over the last three months, he's the 53rd ranked player. Yes, again, most of that is to do with steals, but he's blocking shots at a high rate. 52% shooting, 92% from the free throw line as well. We've seen in the past, a little bit at the end of his rookie season, we got some playmaking out of him as well. A couple of games, a seven assist game, a five assist game. That's going to be hard to do with Rubio and Booker handling the ball, but he does have a little bit of that ability. 
We haven't seen the excellent three-point shooting from Bridges that we saw in college. He's at just 35% this season. He was at 34 last year. His form has had a little bit of a, a, a weird kink in it since uh, coming to the NBA, but in an encouraging sign, the 24 games that he has started this season, 42% from three he has hit. 62% from two, which is the same as whether he's starting or coming off the bench. But that three-point change, playing alongside Booker, playing alongside Aiton, getting that spacing is really, really important. He's averaged in those 24 starts 11.5 points with 1.6 deals on a true shooting of 66%, which is an absolutely massive number. Bridges is a guy, again, that the... Um, Advanced stuff likes at a pretty high degree. Really strong DPIPM, defensive PIPM. Really good in the wins added. He's third on this team behind Rubio and Booker in that metric. Uh, in the wins added metric, that's a, a strong thing. He's on-off staff is really good, a plus 5.1. It's even better when he's with the starters. He is a player that contributes to winning basketball. So that's why if the coach has got his head screwed on straight, which Williams didn't at the beginning of the season, but once he does, he realizes that Bridges has to play a lot of minutes because he is going to be a good player. And that's good for long-term value of guys in the league in terms of looking at their fantasy value. A lot of positive stuff from him. And there is an ability, I think, to ramp up some of his offensive game uh, and do a little bit more in terms of ball handling. I think we should be viewing him as a potential top 50, uh, regular top 50 player. Uh, I really like his upside and potential. We're still only in his second year. I think by the time we get to year four, we're going to see a pretty decent explosion in what McCall Bridges can do. Cameron Johnson a rookie uh, this season. He is already 24 years of age, so he's older than Bridges. He's older than Aiton, of course. He's older than Devin Booker. He's only marginally younger than Kelly Oubre. He is not a young player at all. He's come in, and he's done what he needs to do. 20 minutes a night, two threes per game. 40% from three, like really good. Unfortunately, he does nothing else, and this is the problem. He's already dealt with some hip problems, which was the concern or one of the concerns with him heading into the draft. He's already really old as a rookie as well. I think he can be a really solid um, uh, role player as a three-point shooter, and that's great. You can stream him in when he's playing 27 minutes a night and get two and a half threes, but what else are you getting? I don't think he ever develops into a player who's going to take minutes away from Oubre and from Bridges playing that same position. Now, Oubre, there's always rumors about whether he lasts at the Suns. He gets traded out. He's on a short-term contract as well. So Johnson could start there. But I don't see him as a particular value, particularly valuable fantasy asset as he moves forward. Maybe in the best-case scenario, he could have a barely top 100 season. I just don't really see it from him. I don't see what he's doing that's really any different or any where he increases. Does he start getting steals in bunches, rebounds, assists, big volume scoring, getting to the line? I think all of those are a pretty strong no for Cameron Johnson. He'll hit threes. He'll do that at a really solid rate. He's not Buddy Heald, whose value, of course, is hitting threes, but doing it, you're hitting three a game and then getting 20 points per game and four rebounds and four assists. I don't see him being that high of a usage player to get to that level. Uh, I just think that he's a guy that will hit two, two and a half threes like you know, Wayne Ellington did, who would come in and play 24 minutes off the bench and do that for you, like that sort of a player, rather than someone like a Buddy Heald. But again, he comes in ready-made, very similar to what I did a couple of days ago, Landry Shamet, a player who comes in, hits two plus threes per game and does very little else. That's sort of where I'm sitting with Johnson. I think he's got even less upside than what Shamet does, uh, unfortunately for him. Just because of some of the age restrictions, the game restrictions, the uh, the injuries that he has suffered as well, that is, that is a problem. 
Javon Carter, the next guy I'm going to talk about, came across from Memphis in the Josh Jackson salary dump deal. Javon Carter is the 300th ranked player this season, 15 minutes a night now. What he does do is get steals, 0.7 steals per game. But there's just this weird bunch of point guards on this team. There's Javon Carter, there's Elia Kobo, there's Ty Jerome, there's Jalen LeCue, who we're going to talk about a little bit later on. And with the way that Williams was running that point guard situation, one guy had come in and then they'd lose their spot in the rotation for 10 games and then come back. And that's why we saw these minutes and games played sort of all over the place for these players. Carter was a horrible shooter last season. He's back to 39% from three this year, which is a pretty strong number. Unfortunately, his two-point percentage is at 41%. Really, what his value is, is in steals. And defensively, he's good, but offensively, he's really, really rough. Um, sort of like a, uh, a worse version of Chris Dunn, if you want to compare him to a, a player like that. And I just don't see him really ever pushing into a large enough role or those offensive deficiencies making him a good enough player to be someone who can turn that into two steals per game and therefore having fans value just through that one category. I don't think he ever really pushes into getting into you know, enough value or enough playing time to uh, to give us that level of value, unfortunately, for him. He's also not that young, despite it being his second season. He's uh, you know, 24 and a half, so yeah, a much older rookie coming out of West Virginia and yeah, just hasn't really shown that explosion where you could ever say, well, I can see it in the future. I can squint and he becomes a starter. I, I just don't really see that for him. Let's talk about Czech Diallo now, who did uh, start with the Pelicans. He's still only 23 and a half, so he's younger than Javon Carter, younger than Cameron Johnson, despite playing in the league for uh, yeah, quite a few years now. He's always a player to me that when you see him play, you look at the box scores and you go, ah, they're actually pretty good numbers. But he's never able to sustain a role on, on a squad, whether that is the Pelicans when Davis would go down, whether that was the Suns when Aiden and Kaminsky weren't there. He's never able to establish that. His advanced numbers are pretty rough this season. Offensively and defensively, he's listed as a negative. He is averaging 11 minutes, 5 points with 0.3 blocks. Now, the efficiency is through the roof, 69%. Giggity! Is his true shooting. So big field goals, big free throws. Uh, I think he could potentially become a little bit more dangerous from three-point land. He can block shots. He's always a name that I want to watch because I feel like if he plays 25 minutes a night, look, the numbers will come for Diallo, but he's never getting enough trust. And we're you know, three, four years into his NBA career now that you just have to think that he's not getting those minutes because of the mistakes that he makes. And it is multiple coaches now that haven't liked what he produced on the court and therefore continue, continually limit him despite some of the deficiencies of the squads that he's on. And that is somewhat of a concern for Diallo. But I do think that he is at least solid enough as a backup guy you can throw in. You're probably at a higher level than someone like a Jonah Bolden, who has been able to you know, throw in and put up some numbers occasionally and even did it on the Suns for a couple of games this season. But again, my hope in Diallo being able to develop into a starting caliber player at this point is pretty low, and I don't think that's going to happen. Now let's talk about some of this other group of point guards. There are three more point guards that we're going to discuss here. Let's talk about a guy who was selected at the top of the second round last year, Alia Kobo. He started games for the Suns. This year, again, with all these players like Jerome, with Carter, with Rubio in there, Kobo's been all over the place. Four points per game, under 40% shooting, weirdly only 69% from the line. Giggity. 35% uh, from three. But when I watch him, I think... Wow. I don't think it's a disaster. I think he can be a solid player, but his minutes have gone down from last season. He has lost touch on his shooting. The free throws have gone down. The uh, the three-point shooting's improved from 30% up to 35 so that's an, an encouragement there. 
but even his assist numbers haven't taken a huge leap. They've gone up 4.8 to 5.8 per 36. The steal numbers are okay. Look, there's enough there to make me go as a third point guard. Okobo can have it. He can have that value to be a player that you want there as a third guy. I think there is still some decent development left in Elia Okobo. He's only 22. So he's not you know, extremely old, but with the way that the Suns are running those point guards, there's definitely a concern. And I think they view Jerome as that guy to be that either backup point guard or starting point guard of the future. And because Okobo was drafted uh, by another uh, front office that uh, it appears that James Johnson's not all that keen on really valuing him. He could be an interesting player to fit onto another team. He was a guy that was a 40% three-point shooter over in Europe as well before he came into the draft. So he's got that thing uh, that going for him also. His advanced stuff is relatively rough this season. Now, negative 2.4 PIPM is not a good number. On-off is minus 4.3. But interestingly, uh, Javon Carter's got a worse on-off, 5.1. Um, and uh, Ty Jerome's significantly worse, negative 12.7. So out of all those backup point guards, uh, Okobo actually has the best numbers there. I actually, I think he probably can be a better player than Ty Jerome personally, but I don't think the Suns believe that. And yeah, he's younger than uh, he's younger than Jerome by a couple of months too, which is uh, pretty interesting to note. So he's not someone I'd completely give up on. I'm just not sure we're ever going to get him pushing into the top 100. I think he'd be maybe a top 150 player in the right scenario, but it doesn't appear to me that that right scenario is going to be occurring in Phoenix, unfortunately. Let's talk about Jerome, who again, it's been hard to fully evaluate. He's only played 28 games. He dealt with injuries, 11 minutes a night, three and a half points, one and a half assists. Not great numbers. The shooting is horrible. 28 from three, 41 from two, uh, 79 from the line is solid. But again, just getting consistency, a consistency in role, shooting is tough to do. Now, I think that shooting will improve. I'm also a little bit disappointed in the real lack of assists. He came in with big assist numbers coming out of college, and that has not translated at all. Only 4.9 per 36 is a pretty poor number. The steals have been pretty good. So there are a few things to like about Jerome, but as I said, that on-off number for him was not good. The PIPM is pretty rough as well. But I think I would, because of how Phoenix views him, because he does have that high assist potential as a player. There is some upside for him to be a top 100 player in three or four years' time. We're, we're nowhere near that at the moment. Of course, Rubio is holding down that point guard job and doing a very good job of it. And, uh, and uh, yeah, Booker's going to handle some point guard jobs as well. So I wouldn't be looking at Jerome as a you know, 70% outcome. He's a top 100 player. I think it's more likely than not that he never develops into a full-time starter, but there is still that possibility with him. He did play three games in the G League this season, only 20 minutes a night down there, averaged 17 and five with 1.7 steals. So the steals have carried over, but again, the assists still relatively low. They're not terrible, 8.3 per 36, much better than his NBA numbers, but it is just a 61-minute sample in the G League. We'd like to see a little bit more from him, at least... Uh, across any format this season, whereas injuries and rotations and coaching decisions have sort of held him back a little bit. The other guy they got was Jalen LeCue, an undrafted free agent who they signed to a four-year deal, a couple of non-guaranteed years on that. But he was a, a pretty highly regarded player, I guess, coming in as like, hey, this is, the, this is a great option, an undrafted guy who didn't play in college, a very similar sort of path to Anthony Simons. And Simons, we know, has sort of flopped this season, not writing Simons off yet, of course. And I'm not writing LeCue off. Now, we don't really know what to make of him because we haven't seen him at all really in the NBA. In the G League, LeCue has played 33 games, 27 minutes, but the numbers are really underwhelming. 13 points, three rebounds, three assists, 0.7 steals, 21% shooting, 
60% from the line. Like that is rough as shit. Like there is nothing really positive. A negative win shares player is really bad as a G League guy. An offensive rating of 88 and defensive rating of 121 is terrible. A PER of nine, a true shooting of under 50. The G League numbers are really, really bad. And there is a lot of competition here with Okobo and Jerome and Carter. That you know, that chance that they took on the queue, um, mind you, he's not even 20 yet. But this is not good for him in the G League. He's still a guy that you look at and maybe he can flash stuff. But can he become a high assist guy, a high steals guy, a high volume scorer, a high volume efficient three-point shooter? I think the answer to all of those is probably going to be no. And he's going to be someone that flashes potential and flashes a really high level of athleticism, but can't translate it into a five-on-five basketball situation. I think that's where we're at with Jerome. We're not writing him off just yet. I'd like to see what happens next year, but you know, will this point guard scenario really be thinned out at all so he can get regular run with the team? Uh, I don't know. I'd rather try him than, say, someone like Javon Carter and see what he can develop, but there is also a chance that what they see from him in practice is just like you're not up to it, and that's a real possibility you know, given how he's played at the G League as well. That'll do it for me today, guys. Don't forget to check out today's episode of Rejecting the Screen as well. Played an episode uh, or portion of the episode earlier this week in the show. Go and check out Noah and Adam's work over there. And don't forget to subscribe to this show, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, and on YouTube. Guys, we are done here. Thank you so much for listening, everyone. See ya. See ya.